Hello, I'm Pauline. Hello, I'm Anne. And I'm Cathy. Well, good afternoon, everyone. This is Julian Thurgood with This Is Isla. And as you know, our tagline is people, places, and connections that shape our community. This time, I'm honored to be sitting with three Scottish artists, Anne Campbell, Pauline McGee, and Cathy Wilson, who together have strong connections with each other and with Isla. And last week, they opened an exhibition that's taking place at the Gaelic Centre outside Beaumont, uh, which will run until August the 11th. And they're showing off their works as artists in different media, different forms of expression. And first, I'm going to ask each of you to perhaps introduce yourself and then talk to us about the inspiration for the exhibition. Uh, let's start with, with you, Anne. Okay. Um, well, I'm a native of Isla and have come back to live here about uh, seven years ago after taking early retirement. And I set up a studio in my house and I do lots of walking, particularly with my dogs. So I pick up lots of sea glass, pieces of wood and different things. And I'd done quite a lot of stained glass in the past, but somebody lent me a kiln, so I started to do fused glass, originally trying to start with fusing sea glass. But that was, is actually quite difficult because the glasses are not compatible and you don't have the recipe of the sea glass. So it often doesn't work. But that's where the beginnings started and uh, I've continued to develop the um, sea glass and the fused glass process and so eventually managed to make enough work to have in an exhibition. Some small pieces, lots of small pieces and some bigger pieces. Um, some combinations of wood and glass and other just sea glass of different kinds. And you've known Pauline a very long so, time? Yes, since 1980, since 19, sorry, 79, we met at Glasgow School of Art and um, we've been friends ever since. So Pauline, we turn to you. My name's Pauline McGee and I'm from Greenock and I live in Perthshire. And um, as Anne said, I've known her since art school days. And ever since Anne moved back to Isla, it's been such a fantastic place to come back and forward. I've found loads of inspiration on Isla. And I love the sense of community that is here and that people, there's such a great interaction, which was one of the words that we had used when we were putting the exhibition together. And I think the whole sense of community is part of the interaction that's important to us because Cathy, Anne and I, we have the interactions about our art and about the places we live. And I'm very interested in how man shapes the environment that they live in and how nature always finds its way back into buildings, takes over the land again, and there's a constant interaction of how things change. And that's been a real basis of my artwork, which is mainly painting and drawing. I love to use collage, I use things that I've found in the, the local landscape. And one of the paintings that's in the exhibition just now is called Port Ellen Morning. And I know you were admiring it last night, so that was good to hear your views on that. 
and asking about the materials I had used in it. And there are various things that I have found around Port Ellen and I've incorporated them in the painting. And one time I heard someone say, nothing much happens in Port Ellen. And I find that fascinating because every time I go into Port mm. Ellen, there's such a hub of activity, whether it's the boats coming in, the post office, mm. there's always people interacting in some way. People waiting to leave too. To leave and to come in, to leave again, come back in. It's just a constant flow of interactions. So one, Anna, I have to tell you, I did go to your website, uh, which has many, many more aspects to it than the uh, art that you've uh, on display here. So it's very interesting, paulinemcgee.com. Uh, if Pauline gets, gets, gets a chance, she will promote that again before we finish the interview. Absolutely. <laughs> so now we turn to, to Kathy. Kathy is uh, known on Isla for founding Elsa Press, uh -huh. amongst other things. Uh, but I know you've been coming to Isla a very long time. Yes, it is a very long time because I've lived a very long life by now. <laughs> and I'm glad I'm still alive. Um, I love Isla. I've always loved Isla. And in a curious way, it's my home, although I'm not in Ilach. But my parents were travellers. Well, my father was a diplomat and travelled the world, and we never had a home. And my mother was a very Scottish lady, and she always felt it was very important that we had roots, and she was determined that our roots would be in Scotland and nowhere else. So um, they found Isla themselves, and then shortly after they, their first visit, they decided this is ideal, this is the place the children are coming. And we did. We went every year we came to Isla. Except for a very short time myself, when I was away in East Africa, that was after I'd done my initial training, and I started to teach out in East Africa, and that's a whole story in itself. Um, I think perhaps I'll add here that for me, one of the really important things in anybody's life is that they have the opportunity, if possible, to travel. I was lucky in a sense because I travelled all of my childhood and that introduced me to the idea that there are many, many different ways of living life and there's no correct way of living life and I think I was spared some of the worst prejudices that people can get brought up with. Anyway, um, going back to my training, I started doing a university degree in Edinburgh my parents were away in China and I wrote to them and said, Mum and Dad, I don't think I'm doing the right thing. Now in those days, no mobiles, no telephones, not, you know, the idea that I could have phoned them, Dad was in Peking in China, was out of question. So I wrote them a long letter and explained that I didn't think I was doing the right thing. They wrote back a nice letter saying, well, dear, we quite understand, but we think it's better you get some sort of degree because they didn't actually think art as a training was much use in life at all. I don't agree with them, by the way, because <laughs> uh, much later on, after I had done my training as an artist and gone out to Kenya and, and done teaching there, and then my life kind of parted the way from art because I became an educational writer, which is where my writing came in. And then about halfway through, um, I, 
I was married and I got divorced and there was a period when I was very lost. I was over, sort of, well, well into my middle age and it's a difficult time if you've been married, you've got a family, mine was a step-family, but still I lost a lot of things at that time. And so I was looking, looking for some way of going back into my art and that's when by pure chance, I'm ashamed to say I didn't know there was such a thing as art therapy at the time. And I did a training as an art therapist and that changed my view about art because when I was younger and at art school, what worried me most was why art? Why do people do art? And I didn't like this elitist approach that you've got all these galleries, fine galleries, you, but you become a collectible. And I didn't, re somehow that, what Pauline was saying as an interaction with humanity, islands, landscape, that seemed to be totally lacking in that kind of art. Well, I shouldn't say totally because I'm sure there are places that exist. But the main emphasis there is on monetary value. So anyway, that changed my view. I suddenly understood, which I should have understood years ago, that everybody is creative, everybody. And actually, we all ought to have a fair dose of creativity in our education. I'm really certain of that. And it's very sad that we don't really have that. So I've always been happiest being creative. There's no doubt about that. And I was delighted to come in on this joint interaction with Pauline and Anne. Anne's been a very great friend since 1988. When, uh, but Pauline I met as an art therapist and we sort of form a triangle, if you like, and it was quite an interesting triangle. And it was Pauline's idea now, and she was really actually getting us going. She thought that me and Anne were a wee bit, you know, behind the times when it came to being creative. So she said, let's have an exhibition. And that's how it all arose. Looking around the different pieces at the exhibition, what's evident to, to me is the strong link with, with the landscape, uh, the connections and the, the different inspirations that you've taken for, uh, for your art. Uh, from the found pieces, from books, uh, historical books, uh, and perhaps I'll ask Pauline again to talk a little bit more about, uh, there were two pieces, you mentioned Portal and Morning already, but there was another piece that was inspired by Les Wilson's uh, book concerning the, the two shipping disasters in uh, World War I. Perhaps you could talk about that a little bit. Well, that was, the book is called The Drowned and Deceived, and Anne introduced me to the book in her house. We talked about it and it was an aspect of history that I just hadn't known about, about um, the ships that had sunk just off Isla. And the, the way that Les Wilson has done his research and written the story is just absolutely phenomenal. I think it was such a fascinating book and I'm rereading it again because you just cannot take in how emotional those stories are of the people who went to war, the people who were left behind, and it was such a devastating loss to Isla, all those young men that left at that time. Mm -hmm. But also, the Americans who were saved from the ships and were nursed on Isla 
cared for in the most humane fashion. Just absolutely moving stories. And also about the women of Isla, the part that they played in the war, and how much they cared for the soldiers that they could look after because they had lost their own young men. But they, there were some women who had sewn together overnight uh, the American flag so that that could be laid with the American soldiers when they were being buried. And it was such a testimonial to the war effort. And just recently I got to see the Museum of Isla Life, is that what you call it? I keep forgetting that name. Um, a, fun, a fascinating place to visit. The collection that they have in there and the letters that were written by soldiers back to the parents on Isla. Oh my goodness. I would recommend it to everyone to go and have a look at this. And I think a lot of that history has been re, uh, brought back to life, if you like, because of the centenary uh, commemorations. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so I know that's where I always knew about the American Monument, but I didn't really know the story behind it. No. Mm. Uh, so things like your... Well, on a pre previous visit, Anne had taken us to see the monument, but it didn't mean anything to me at that time because I, I didn't know the history. So... Worth a visit, all of it. Uh, and you combine found objects uh, with, with new. I'd, I like the idea that someone offered to, to lend you a kiln. I mean, that might be another, a longer story. <laughs> <laughs> but since you took advantage of it, uh, I know one of the pieces that, I mean, lots of lovely small pieces, but others that really evoke uh, the landscape of Isla, mm. and one piece in particular, I'll refer to it as the room divider. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> but perhaps you could, that's, that's a really intriguing story of how you've combined your work uh, with, with found objects. Mm. Uh, so perhaps you could talk about that. Sure. Well, there's two pieces in the show that were made from found objects and glass. And I just, th there's something about the pieces of wood that have been through the, the, the tumultuous sea and have survived, or roots um, and have survived, there's some strength in that that's a natural um, object. And glass has that same kind of strength, but of course it's entirely different. I mean, it couldn't be more different. So um, when I found the, the room divider, yes. Yes. <laughs> Is it a spar from a, from a yes, boat? Yes, it's obviously a spar from a boat, yes. yes. And um, the, the, it had like little um, oblong holes in it where obviously the other piece of wood would have joined in. Um, but I got them cut out all the way through and made little fused glass plugs to go into it and then have lit them behind. Um, I got anvil art, Ross heads, to make me a mould that I could use in the kiln to be able to make the plugs. It was a bit of an experiment, uh, I have to say, um, and it, there's many little plugs lying around my studio that didn't work. Um, and Stephen McKechnie, he is a joiner, a fantastic joiner. He'd done work for me before. And Stephen used a... And I actually asked him because he would have a router and he was able to, to remove the, the last of the wood um, so that the, the gaps went all the way through. And then obviously the thing about glass is the colour and the light. 
So it needed it needs to be lit from behind. So that that was no more or no. It's quite a simple process and quite a simple um, concept. But the other piece is the heart that uh, belongs to, well, it now belongs to my friend Leslie Finlayson, who, like Pauline, was in the same year as Pauline and I met at the art school. And Leslie and I did um, postgraduate year in Cyprus together. And then she moved to Canada to do an MFA. And I stayed on in Scotland and did teacher training. And But we've kept in touch over the years. But about eight years ago, Leslie had a very, very, very serious illness with her heart and she nearly died and um, it was only because they opened up the um, search for the heart across the whole of Canada that they were able to find one that was suitable and she was given a heart transplant and she's survived and amazing now, absolutely incredible. So on, she hadn't been on Isla since about 1979 and she'd come with Carl Ann Smith from Cruach, because Carl Ann was at the art school too. And um, I didn't know her then, but she came back this year for the first time since then. And it was it was a bit of an emotional uh, journey for her because Carl Ann has passed away. And um, so these memories were very sad, but she loved being back and just loved the whole the whole community of Isla and the beauty of Isla. And so the day she was leaving, I was walking back along the shore with my dogs as I normally do, and I found the root, and it was just shaped like a heart. And my, heart, my own heart nearly stopped. I thought, oh my goodness, that's just incredible. It's what a lovely thing. So I took it back to the studio and, and just knew right away I wanted to do something for Leslie with it. Mm -hmm. So making moulds out of little thin fire paper to try and make wee arteries of glass was quite a process, but um, it's, it's worked okay. That's a wonderful story. And Kathy, mm -hmm. uh, charcoals of Kilheron mm -hmm. and pastels of different landscapes around Isla. Tell me what inspires you about Isla in particular. I think it's really my love and familiarity with these places. When I go uh, to where I've done two of the drawings, that's one of my regular stopping off places if I go for a walk. I used to, when I was a little bit more mobile, I used to go climbing up the cliffs. I absolutely love that. And uh, I always took sketching things with me. Sometimes you, I know where to go, but other times I just wander a wee bit. And a lot will depend on circumstances like the wind. I don't want to sit facing a howling wind, so if I know the, well, the place well enough, I know where the shelter will be. I'll know even before I set out from home which beach will be the best beach today. And uh, so I don't know if it's actually that. It's familiarity in a way. My inspiration is more that I lose myself when I am drawing and working. Uh, whether it's in pastels. Now it's mostly in pastels, but I used to use um, oil paints much more. It's just more inconvenient to take them outside. And I love the pastels, I really do. I, I really enjoyed the, um, I'll get the title wrong, Lachendal Morning. Yes. You see the, the dark storm clouds ahead, yeah. overhead, but 
the lock is, is flat mm -hmm. and very tranquil. Mm -hmm. and it really comes through. Mm -hmm. In the exhibition, uh, if you visit, it's running until August the 11th. Uh, so with luck, we'll release this episode before then. A range of media, uh, mixed media, and really the different layers of, of media, as, as uh, Anne described and Pauline uh, you know, kept on. I went back and looking at uh, Portel and in a different light, but three or four times last night and seeing different things, the depth of uh, inspiration and different elements, found elements as, uh, as, as well that combine. Well worth a visit. Now, now, Kathy, I thought it would be fitting to end on, you know, obviously the, the in different inspirations that have led to this exhibition. Uh, Kathy, you mentioned uh, as part of your inspiration uh, the work of Ray Robinson. Uh, mm. Perhaps you'd like to... Well, first of all, Ray was a teacher for me sort of after my marriage broke up. I was fortunate. I was able to go out to Canada. I had an introduction to him. He was very generous. He was a very unusual teacher. And most of the time he would say, let your hands do it, you know, and it was getting you out of your head. And that I needed to do. Um, and then my Canadian friend Ruth, who was the one who introduced me to Ray, we've been in constant touch because we've worked together on books. And she was over this year and she remembered that she'd got a poem that was written by Ray and it just of serendipity because it was so exactly why I was drawn to drawing a number of figures, if you like, um, who are all playing a flute, but it's a flute that no longer exists. It's a double flute, it's a reed flute, and in ancient Greece, which is where it was played, it was called the aolos. And I'm told that it had a sound, which is somewhat like uh, an Armenian instrument called the duduk. We don't know really what it sounds. People are trying to reconstruct it. I became fascinated because it felt to me when I saw the images on ancient Greece, Greek vases and such like that this flute had a devotional aspect to it and I really very strongly felt it was a devotional aspect about evoking or calling if you like the spirit out of nature and it's something which really nowadays we would be regarded as primitive or animistic, if we even dare to say that there is spirit in nature. And so I found myself being fascinated by these images, and I'll read you the poem, because I think that's the nearest thing that I can find, which describes the feeling I am touching on, I'm only touching on it. Ray wrote this, am I the last who can hear the call of the pipe? the wind in the grasses? Am I the last who remembers the dance of life? Who, in the whirling wonder at the golden shining, can taste the honey pollen morning in my own joy at the never-ending beginning? Say no, surely no. On that note, I'd like to thank Kathy Wilson Anne Campbell and Pauline McGee uh, for joining me today 
but more importantly for working together and interacting together to create such a wonderful exhibition that's currently at the Gallic Centre in Beaumont. And thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you very much. For it's been a pleasure. <laughs> a pleasure, absolutely. More than a pleasure. <laughs> thank you for listening to This is Isla. This time we heard from Anne Campbell, Pauline McGee and Kathy Wilson about their art, their inspirations and their interactions which led to the art exhibition being held at the Gallic Centre until August the 11th. On August the 4th at 5.30pm, Martin Nouet will be holding a whiskey tasting event in conjunction with the exhibition. Tickets can be reserved by contacting the Gallic Centre directly on 810-818. Thank you for listening to This Is Isla. For more information, go to our website at thisisisla.co.uk and follow us on Facebook.